Hello and welcome to the AVSJ podcast. I'm back with my buddy Aaron. How are you doing today, Aaron? Hello. I'm good. I am. I'm positive. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm good. Thank you. But I'm not. Oh, I mean, I am positive. I wouldn't describe myself as positive. Come on, man. We just had a <laughs> lovely conversation. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, we had a, another specialist guest on, mm-hmm. um, Lex on the Decks, who does mm-hmm. her own podcast, Hot Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, which I looked at the chart, like the Apple podcast charts a few weeks ago, and she was number one. So it's a biggie. Congratulations, Lex. And not only was she number one, she's really nice as well and knowledgeable. Yeah. So that's good as well. <laughs> yeah, we talked about, because um, she has her podcast, but she's also a DJ. And we mm-hmm. talked about like breaking into the industry is hip hop, a white woman hip hop DJ. Um mm-hmm. And talked about kind of uh, WAP and all the things that's come out of that and female exclusion in the history of hip-hop mm-hmm. and like gangster rap and misogyny. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good episode. I think it was very interesting. Yeah. It was kind of just uh, vaguely about gender and hip-hop, I would say. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, she's an expert uh, guest, but also Aaron is also an expert because he basically did his entire dissertation on gender and hip-hop. Well, not so, entire dissertation, but bits of it, yes. <laughs> um, and I, do I was trying to pick you up, Aaron. Why are you, why are you, why are you diminishing <laughs> I, your own dissertation? I'm so modest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we speak a bit about my dissertation in there and just about my studies generally, um, yeah. which is nice to be a student again because it's mm. been a while. You still get that, Jules, which is in- in- entertaining yeah. for you. But um, we won't hold you up any longer. Go and enjoy yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Lex. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? Uh, I'm good. It's Um, our pleasure to have you on. It is. We've actually been meaning to do this for a very long time. I know, we spoke ages ago, but this is good. Mm. The world is very different from when we first spoke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, actually, in related to this episode, the reason why we initially got in contact was because of a playlist that we made last year, um, which was like an all-women's playlist, and then you did a mix of it, Jules, and then Lex found that, and then we came into contact. Mm. Yes, and that was like right at the start of my hot girl's journey, when I was like just Mm. pulling the pieces together and trying to find people who were kind of exploring this topic and doing mixes and and doing Mm -hmm. work in it. And I think, Aaron, at that point, you were studying the module that you went on to do, or you were writing your paper on it. So I did English Literature and American Studies at Manchester University, and I was studying a module called Hip Hop Studies, taught by quite a high-up hip-hop scholar in the hip-hop scholarly community. uh, (laughs) If you know, you know. (laughs) And I was also writing my... I was also writing my dissertation, which is pretty relevant to this as well, which is about, um, again, something that I haven't spoken about, weirdly, um, about a psychoanalytical perspective of hip-hop family structures. But that isn't really something we're going to talk about today, but it's just something we weren't talking about at the time. (laughs) That's for another day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Lex, tell everybody a bit about yourself and a bit about your podcast. Sure thing. Um, so I am Lex. I DJ and, and uh, podcast under Lex on the Decks. Um, mm-hmm. For ages, my friends are like, you need to make it 
Sexy Lexi on the Dexy. I was like, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just Lex on the Dex. But yeah, I've been DJing for I was DJing for about five years now, um, mm-hmm. and playing hip hop mainly. And mm-hmm. I just started to observe that I was playing, um, and I do a couple of other things as well. Um, so I also work for Nike, and I also. Um, have a website called Cleopatra's Worldwide, which which looks at um, feminism in a kind of modern light. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from the from the DJing side of things, I was I realised that I could do pretty much an entire mix, and it might have like one or two female artists in, mm-hmm. and so I kind of started judging myself a bit for that. Like, why mm. is this your your female and your mix is is not reflective of mm. of that? Um, yeah. And so it just kind of made me question things. And then from that point, um, yeah, I ended up fast tracked to where we are now. I started my podcast, which is called Hot Girls. Uh, and there's also a mixed series on SoundCloud. And it basically, it kind of looks to tackle that gender gap, particularly in rap. But it, mm-hmm. it does so by celebrating the women who have had success and kind of exploring how they have. And also in interviewing DJs and artists uh, who are working in the music industry just to try and understand why we are where we are and, and move things forward a little bit. And are you a DJ in London? Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, one of the things, like, one of the kind of views of being a DJ in terms of gender is that it's a lot harder for women to break into the industry than men and it's less of a unwelcoming place for women in the industry what is kind of your thoughts and feelings about that yeah I think it's 100% true and it's something I've spoken to other DJs about recently increasingly to try and Mm -hmm. so that we can kind of come together and be like why is this the case and I think where I've got to in my head is like it's actually it's actually quite hard to become a DJ not not to be like (laughs) oh poor us Um, but there's no direct path so yeah I guess especially now that everything's been uh, every venue has been now down. it's really hard yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no nowhere to play um mm-hmm. no but i think the hardest thing about it as a dj it's like anything it's like getting your foot on the ladder but it's not like another job yeah. where you can apply to places you need to get invited to places and so pretty much all djs that i know got their first few gigs through friends in mm-hmm. fact that's mm-hmm. how every dj gets their first few gigs it's like either through friends or they put their own nights on um and because that whole like nightlife culture is dominated by men then they invite their friends to dj and then mm-hmm. it kind of goes on like that so i think that's the biggest problem is that it's quite hard to actually find an entry point and to find spaces to start out and mm-hmm. then it's really hard to like build up experience from there like i was like bedroom djing for years because none of my friends are putting nights on and the ones i that i did know weren't interested in the kind of music that i liked um Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think that's actually the biggest problem is is that the the problem is so broad across the industry that it's actually just quite hard to like make a start. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably especially the case for hip hop because not only you'd probably notice like you said where you're not playing that many women, but also a lot of the music would probably be kind of quite misogynist or seen as like oppressing uh women within it. And so it's going to be a very male dominated sphere. Um, in terms of DJing and also probably in terms of um, fandom 
I would say, like, although hip-hop is probably now the most popular genre, it's seen more as appealing to men. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that you saw as more kind of exclusionary when you were trying to break it? Because you said, like, the people that would uh, be representing more women were more other genres. Yeah, I think so. I think if I... I always felt like if I was playing house, I'd have an easier job. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, Mm. you know... I'm I'm a white woman as well. You, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. expect someone like me to be. I don't look like what you'd expect of a hip hop DJ. You would expect a black mm-hmm. man. Mm. Um, so I definitely felt as well when I was starting out. I felt like I had to be really good. Like I couldn't be mm-hmm. middle of the road or clumsy because people would mm-hmm. kind of yeah. expect that because I'm not what you expect. So then mm-hmm. it would look. It would look. I don't know. Like people were expecting me to not be great, and then the point was proven. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. felt like I kind of needed to be uh, needed to be better. So yeah, I think that's true. I think in hip hop traditionally, women have played a supporting role. So it's kind of that's what people expect. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because um, so what we were talking about before about me um, studying hip-hop one of the things that i studied was a um piece called looking to get paid by a man called robin kelly and um it was kind of broadly a racial piece about kind of about reaganism and removal of public spaces and opportunities and um employment opportunities for african americans and how that limited the chance for people to get out of the hoods and inner city and the only opportunities for them to do that was to capitalise on what he said was the body. And what he saw that as is like, you could be an athlete or you could be a dancer, you could be an artist or you could be a rapper. And all of those fields um, he went through and he listed the reasons of why they excluded women or why they were kind of seen as dangerous for women to be part of. So like, the break dancing would go on late at night in like street corners where it wasn't safe and like same with graffiti artists was above the uh, not above the law breaking the law (laughs) (laughs) um and so what he had said uh in his piece was that the opportunity for women to gain their own independence was um through stripping and through prostitution and at the time when i read that i thought that that was something that was quite um shocking and it kind of seemed like that didn't make sense but it's interesting to consider that in relation to an artist that we're going to talk about a lot today which is cardi b because as i said before we i listened to lex's podcast the other day and she recently did an episode about cardi b and cardi b is like very famous and puts forward part of her identity is the fact that she used to be a stripper and she talks very positively about how it was an opportunity to her for her sorry to gain independence and get like her own economic success if that mm. makes sense mm. and then she could use that to catapult her rap career that um that that piece sorry that piece that you're talking about by robin kelly when when abouts mm-hmm. was it written was he was he writing like retrospectively like looking back or from it was it yes, from a period he, of time? was let me find the exact date for you thanks sorry <laughs> fact checker it. It, <laughs> it was in um, <laughs> it was in a book that he wrote that was published in 1997 so mm, so just as kind of hip hop was so he is a man yes. yeah um so it's just kind of i guess in the rise of well gangster rap's already risen but i guess if it's a um 
critical thinking book he's probably writing about it as it's going on yeah well i'm trying um, to think when lauren hill when lauren hill went to number one um, like that can't have been too i think far. it was n- no it was around then wasn't it it was 1998 or something that was, she did 20 year tour a couple years ago yes so it must have been like 1998 yeah it was in 98 there i love that well you... <laughs> yeah very good <laughs> <laughs> lauren queen no, it is, it is interesting. So, so his argument was that they encourage women were encouraged to to adopt sexual professions that was considered safer for them. Well, yeah, part of it. So, part of his argument was that one of the most legitimate professions at the time was for men to be drug dealers because um, they didn't have any ins to getting into actual typical standard legitimate jobs so they couldn't be lawyers they couldn't be doctors they couldn't be anything that would make them money and all the other fields that he suggested were quite exclusionary in terms of gender um and i guess that's why he put it in but it's i felt it was the weakest point of his argument i can't lie but still it's interesting to consider part of it being interesting to consider is the fact that there's been women present throughout hip-hop and even though he says that it's an exclusionary field at the start of hip-hop there is um prevalent women so in in like the 80s in like the first ever hip-hop film wild style um you've got people like fab five freddy and um Grandmaster Flash and people like that, but you also have like Lisa Lee playing quite an important role throughout the film. It's Wild Style, the graffiti one. That's exactly the one. Yeah. Have you seen it? it yeah, is I have. Very it's so funny. funny. <laughs> it is really funny, and it's funny it's because re- it's credited as being like one of the first hip hop films, and you watch it back, and it's, it's like, ridiculous, Lol. isn't it? <laughs> the storyline. Oh. The the storyline is about um, graffiti artists. And there's a there's somebody who's stealing this guy Zorro is the main character. Yes. And he's a graffiti artist. And there's a point when somebody's apparently stealing Zorro's tag, and they go up to Zorro and they're like, "Zorro, they're stealing your tag." And he goes, "Well, Scooby Doo." And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, they don't write scripts like that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's good. a real, it's a real classic. And there's also just musical <laughs> breaks in the film that have nothing to do with the film. <laughs> so there's like a rap battle within the film, just over a game of basketball. That's got zero to do with the plot. But <laughs> it's a good film. Give it a watch, guys. Yeah, give it a watch. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a part of history. It is an important yeah. part of history. But yeah, in that film, um, there is female rappers and i guess if that's the first representation of rap on film it's quite important that there's female rappers in there mm. there's also um i'm not sure if you've heard of the book contact high where it's like a photography book going through like a photographical history of rap throughout the e- eras and in like the 80s there was a prevalent music um magazine shoot where it was like showcasing all the women of rap um and they were being pushed to the front but in the 90s when you have gangster rap that's very much seen as a more hyper-masculine response to the society around them. And that is where you get a lot of misogyny in hip-hop really rising, which is something that we should really discuss. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting as well, isn't it? Because it's like, we always think that the world moves forward, but I have this like theory of evolution. It's not my theory, 100%, but it's a theory that I follow. (laughs) Who do I think I am? Um, That the world moves forward in like ringlets. So it goes Mm -hmm. forward and then it goes Mm -hmm. backwards and then it goes a little bit further forward and then it goes backwards again. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like hip hop is a really good example of that. Like we think that, and I thought that, because from what I've seen in since I've been following music closely, it would be like it's like last ten years, I guess. There were no women, and then there was Nicki Minaj. Or there were a couple of mm-hmm. women, but not many. And if we're talking about women mm-hmm. who rap, and then there was Nicki Minaj, and and it was always like this beef between her and Little Kim. And I thought Little Kim needed to like get over herself. And then um, <laughs> just being honest about my what I thought before I kind of mm-hmm. properly looked into it. Um, and then, you know, Cardi B came and now we're in a time where there's mm-hmm. a lot more. That was my perspective on it. And then actually when you look back just beyond really when I first started looking at it, there were loads of women who rapped and a lot of them mm-hmm. weren't um, particularly sexual. They didn't mm-hmm. like flaunt their body in that way and that wasn't a part of their mm-hmm. identity you know you look at someone like Queen Latifah like that was never mm-hmm. part of her um, identity instinct leads me to another flow flow every time I hear a brother call a girl up is you're a hoe trying to make a sister feel low you know all of that got to go now everybody knows there's exceptions to this rule I don't be getting mad when we playing it's cool but don't you be calling me out my name I bring crap to those who disrespect me like a dame that's why I'm and talking there was Foxy Brown and there was Lil Kim but there was also left eye so it was a it was quite Mm. diverse then and there were quite a few women in rap but then there was Mm -hmm. just this void and it did get filled and i love nikki i think she's brilliant and i don't think there's any bad thing about any like any of the individual women who have done very well doing very well but i do Mm -hmm. think it's strange that like i don't know we have this culture or this this kind of that you need to be sexual and still stripping Mm -hmm. and still kind of pushing that identity to do well yeah that Mm -hmm. seems to be this understanding that's developed but that what that wasn't the case Mm -hmm. 15 years ago especially with queen latifah who had songs like unity where she's saying like don't call me a bitch you're not a hoe like yeah she's (laughs) she's like (laughs) reacting against artists like lil kim and foxy brown who are like embracing that at the time it kind of seemed Especially with like what you were saying with um, Nicki Minaj and Lil Kim, there's kind of like there has to be recently, definitely, there has to be like one big female rapper. So like mm-hmm. when Cardi B gets big, then she's against Nicki Minaj all of a sudden, and it was like kind of a tokenism of one important person. Like you let one through, and then all the rest kind of fall to the side. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well um, that you mentioned Lil Kim because. I don't know how completely factual this is because it was in that film Notorious, and like she that is hates a that film. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a dramatization, so like you don't know exactly which bits are true. But there's one scene in it where like Biggie and Lil Kim are like in his room or something, and she's like trying to rap like a man, kind of like rap like Biggie Smalls, mm-hmm. and he's like, "No, you have to rap sexily," mm-hmm. and she starts like trying to rap sexily, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you've done it, you've done it." Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like what was the market for female rappers at the time because you had people like Moni Love and her group I can't remember what her group was called but Moni Love in particular was like a really good actually British rapper in America mm. her accent is really weird if you ever heard it but mm-hmm. um, you had people like that but then you also had people like Lil Kim and there was a bit of like kind of a 
like I guess misunderstanding, yeah, between mm-hmm. like who who wanted to do what and who belonged where and kind of having a place in the mm-hmm. rap community. Yeah, I think Biggie and Kim worked very closely on creating Lil Kim. And mm-hmm. I think it was very deliberate, the identity they created for her. And I, don't, I think it was very much a performance identity. And I mm-hmm. heard like Biggie's mom said that they would be like, sex sells, sex sells. So they, they definitely created that. And Biggie was definitely like part of the mastermind behind that identity. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, I, I think it's a little bit of the controversy, like, like we see nowadays, mm-hmm. a website like the Daily Mail gets a gazillion times more clicks and more reputable papers mm-hmm. because it's controversial and I think that mm-hmm. was a deliberate decision by Kim not really relating to women in rap but more about the media and mm-hmm. success to kind of be a bit more controversial and to have a woman saying the things that she was saying at that time was scandalous <laughs> it's really interesting that you say that they're like creating this image of Lil Kim and like a character kind of like stock character that can be consumed um there's a another writing by um someone called Morali Balaji um called why do good girls have to be bad um which is like a case study of Kiki Palmer but like the basic argument of it was that female artists particularly black female rappers had no autonomy over how they were going to be marketed And so they'd go to the record labels and the record labels were all run by white males who had certain views of women and particularly women of colour. And they would say, like, you're either going to sell your album and make your music about this or you're not going to sell your album at all and we're not going to do it. And Kiki Palmer particularly, there was like a big um, lawsuit about it. And so it's interesting to think when people are attacking people like Lil' Kim or even Nicki Minaj, whether it's how they want to be presented or whether it's just something that they've now embraced if mm. that makes sense I think as well like when you because Kiki Palmer was on like Disney Channel or mm-hmm. so when you compare that with people like Miley Cyrus and Ariana Grande who also came from similar backgrounds and they definitely embrace like the sexuality of their like image and identity then for someone like Kiki Palmer to be like I'm not doing that at all I'm doing it my mm-hmm. way is quite interesting as well because like you could argue that's led to people like No Name and Rhapsody Mm -hmm. who will be like Rhapsody you could say either way but particularly someone like No Name where like they might not have had that opportunity to do this if it hadn't been for someone standing up for their image Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah it's true it's like often the first person who takes a stand and does things in their own way has to work 20 times harder but then they lay the mm. foundations for people to follow them mm-hmm. um yeah. versus someone as you say who accepts what the marketing label want them to accept and i think mm-hmm. in the case of like you know the big examples like a nikki and a kim they were 100 percent conscious of that it was a conscious decision and they were happy to accept that they were happy for that to kind of be their role um mm-hmm. but yeah probably someone who like, you know, Kiki, if that, if that wasn't the role she was going to play, then she's not going to get the big deal. And she's going to have to mm-hmm. work 10 times harder. Um, mm-hmm. And her legacy, I guess, then is is the mm. people that get to come in her footsteps and, and, and be a bit more themselves. Is that the point? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it's funny you say um. about, like, Miley, though, and um, because, and not Ariana, but I, I feel like 
a lot of the ex-Disney people want to rebel and be sexual. Yeah. They yeah, seem they to go like through that. Shake the image. Yeah. Of, yeah. I think especially you mentioned uh, Rhapsody. I think you can kind of make, you can see very clearly the inspiration of Queen Latifah in La- in yeah. Rhapsody and like you have even Queen Latifah coming on her most recent album and also um, artists like Missy Elliott as well who was kind of in on the borderline of like uh, embracing it but also making it her own but there's mm. also something to say about like we're not critiquing um, any of these women for sexualizing themselves and it's a very like post-feminist perspective on how they're going to approach making music and making money mm. um there's nothing to discredit here about them embracing that and in and particularly i guess recently with one of the things we're going to discuss today which is um the new cardi b and megan the stallion song wap jules did you have something to say to start that off i mean i think obviously wap has been like in the news a lot recently but i think also like a few months ago we had Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj doing the Say So remix and then um, Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion doing the Savage remix. Then for the first time it was like rap tracks by female artists had secured the top two spaces on I think Billboard 100. So yeah. like it's it's not just like obviously WAP is like what's been dominating the news recently but I feel like it's been last few months is kind of changing the landscape. Mm-hmm. But then one point that is kind of interesting to think of is that before kind of these songs and also I think Doja Cat as well kind of deserves some credit for this kind of like empowerment but um, mm-hmm. before kind of this hip hop like sexual orientation was really kind of like a thing for men like sex was a thing for men mm-hmm. and women were kind of just like participants and almost obedient and then mm-hmm. there's an argument in the news that like you don't want your daughter to be hearing this and like this is crude and whatever on the flip side i'm not saying that's my argument but like that is an argument that's been made on the flip side you could say that girls who have just heard about sex from men and think of it as a thing for men are now hearing women saying this is for us as well so Mm -hmm. they go into when they will have sex they have this idea that like it's something for them and it's not just a male orientated thing so i think that's quite an important thing that things like wap and doja cat and megan the stadium like is a really important thing for them to be doing now because it's a lot more empowering for younger girls going into the future yeah i think i completely agree with that it's adding female voices into the conversation around sex is so important and particularly for young girls that's like tied into consent is the ability to say yes (laughs) it's not just Mm -hmm. about saying no um Mm -hmm. it's just about taking ownership and realizing that it is as much for you as it is for guys um Mm -hmm. if not more so (laughs) and um I just, uh, just one thing you said about Missy that just made me think it's like in her, when she, before she came out and started rapping, she was part of a girl group. And when she was in that group, they got the label called her out for not, and she got excluded from an opportunity because she wasn't seen as sexy enough for it. Um, and Mm. that was like a really defining moment for her where she kind of stepped away from the group started working mm-hmm. with Timberland as an independent artist and that's how they and then they cultivated her sound and her image that was so distinctive and so unique to her 
as a kind of rebellion mm-hmm. against trying to be boxed in. And so I do think, I don't know, it's just an important thing, I think, because if there are artists or potential artists who are in that position, it's good to know that like, she yeah. was told no. Yeah, it's definitely important to consider it in relation to, like we were saying, like the record label used to have all this power. Mm-hmm. And so her then being rejected from that sphere and doing it independently, giving her the opportunity to, to actually grow as an artist. I think that's part of why we're getting so many more uh, prevalent female rappers now is that there's slightly less um, industry control. Obviously, it is still important. Like Record labels still have a lot of weight. But I guess post Chance the Rapper and post the rise of more independent artists, mm. um, there is the opportunity for anybody to blow up just by putting music out there themselves. Yeah. yeah. The thing the thing I will say, though, is I think, I think it often seems like, oh, there's that opportunity and therefore it's easy if you work hard enough, if you're talented enough, mm-hmm. and that can kind of become the narrative. And that's not necessarily true. Like Chance the Rapper was very well connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still really hard. And I think Megan Thee Stallion is a brilliant example of someone who has taken every single tool in the possible toolbox of an artist and used it to her advantage because obviously TikTok was a big part of why Savage was mm-hmm. so big and how she went from being big in music spaces, being big in Instagram and then being big on TikTok and then getting to number one and kind of following Mm -hmm. that path. And I think, you know, I do think that women in rap have to work harder to get to the top. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you look at someone like Doja Cat and my point around Lil' Kim having an identity and Nicki Minaj having an identity, there is so much creativity that has gone into creating who they are in like every single touch Mm. point. And Doja Cat is exactly that i mean she's a character like even when you see her in interviews or on things she's performing the whole time and i mean that in the most respectable way like i think that's remarkable it's like you're embracing Mm. your responsibility as a performer to be always on but we know that Mm -hmm. that that i can't think of that many male artists that do that in the same way um Mm. I, i think drake does kind of but i don't think that many do um so like full credit to those women but they are working so hard yeah yeah and it shows how much there is still to do but it's women that have to still exist as the characters whereas men have more space just to not be themselves necessarily because most of rap is characters anyway Mm. but to present themselves in a way that's true to themselves not that women aren't you know what i mean i know what you mean (laughs) they can be a bit more shabby like mm. or they can just kind of yeah be a bit they can be a bit lazy or be like my character is a stoner <laughs> and that's what i like to do <laughs> whereas like if that was a woman they'd be like yeah. no you need to be doing dances on tiktok you need to be yeah. like ticking yeah. all you, these other boxes you're not gonna get a female with khalifa no, <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe in five years but not yet yeah yeah you know what's interesting is that I went to like a BBC One Extra event at the O2 a few years ago and mm-hmm. I would say like it was quite it was headlined by Chance Rapper and Pusha T and then they had a bunch of like uh, male UK artists like Mist and people like that but mm-hmm. by far the best performer in the whole night was Steph London and like mm-hmm. I don't even listen to Steph London that much in fact I don't really listen to her at all but mm-hmm. she hit like all the other guys came out like 
did kind of the stereotypical rapper not really caring performance you know what i mean like the mm. thing that makes people like rap performance have a bad reputation in that sense and then stefan don came out with like a whole thing of choreographed dances like her on a throne i like, properly dressed up i like, made it a proper spectacle and also rapped really well like on stage and it kind of like mm. yeah i think that turns into a point that like women have to do so much more than their male counterparts to get like noticed because i mean myth came in on a quad bike and then that was like the big the big news of the whole thing <laughs> just he came in on a quad bike but like that was it and then stefan don has all this other stuff going on just to like mm. get on the same kind of level level playing mm. field I think as well, like a big problem and not to like diverge. <laughs> um, but when I look, for example, I was watching the, you know, um, Skepta and Chip and Young Ads mm-hmm. did, did some work together recently. Shut the fuck up when you talk about beef, I'm a chef, I might serve you that. Thought you was a gangster, but I could tell you were neat when I heard you rap. And if my young G ain't got weed, don't piss him off because he might turn you pack. Then you got two jets chilling by your bedside, could Achilles might circle back. I think they did an mm-hmm. album together and they did a documentary film about it and I was watching the little it's just a YouTube it's like a 10 minute film um, there's not a single female person in that film mm. I don't think like their studio is mm-hmm. all male it's all male producers and all that kind of thing and as we know um, a great artist is 50 60 70% a great producer like working behind the scenes a good team right getting the best Mm -hmm. beats all those kind of things and there is such a shortage of female producers Mm. and kind of to my point from my own experience of DJing and that issue of like not having enough I guess friends or like immediate people that are like me that are doing the same thing Mm-hmm. I don't think the lack of female producers and other people working behind the scenes in the music industry can be kind of overlooked as an issue with getting enough hits out of women who are rapping mm. um, because you need hits to kind of get that publicity and to get that following behind an artist and yeah you know how many women are making beats versus men yeah yeah it's something that i've kind of i've seen um i'm not sure if you've heard annie max interview with on hip-hop save my life oh i haven't but i should it's, it's really, really good, good. It's really good. <laughs> she speaks a lot about um misogyny within hip-hop and she says one of the things that she would see as a positive turn um and something that would start the movement in the right direction would be for there to be more female features that aren't just choruses or more Mm. female features that aren't just talking about how much the two artists are supposedly in love or what like (laughs) so many songs where it's a man and a woman is is going to be like a love song or they'll just be coming on to sing and that's it like you need to widen the space in which women are allowed to enter the genre and one of the ways to do that would be like you said through uh, production even if production isn't something that is as glorified and as known about like i don't always know who's produced the song but just to have women within the space is going to make it a more accepting genre yeah 100 it's like um there's a film theory kind of thing uh Mm. called the bechdel test is that right aaron so so (laughs) the bechdel test bechdel test 
by Alison Bechdel. Yeah, where um, it's basically like whether two or more women are on screen at the same time talking about something that's not a man. Is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's right. And um, like so many more films basically fail, like so many high profile films, sorry, fail the Be- Bechdel test. And it's kind of like you could tie that to hip hop a bit. Mm. Mm. An interesting one that fails it is um, Wonder Woman. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I had I had a lecture about this because I also did American film. Wonder the lecturer was like, yeah, Wonder Woman. She's always discussing a man, or it's always something along those lines. She's never just having a conversation with another woman, and, another, and a man isn't mentioned. That's pretty bad. Uh, even though it's supposed to be seen as like a progressive film, and they're putting a woman at the front as the yeah. hero it's still not even progressive enough to not discuss men the whole time. Deary me, that's a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think your point about feature verses is really true, though. That's how so many artists break. Or I guess they Mm. go from... They go from this level where they're very very well-known in a small sect and all of a sudden they're kind of mainstream for for rappers Mm -hmm. and hip-hop artists is through feature verses with more mainstream Mm -hmm. acts. And there aren't many. No. (laughs) <laughs> especially like if you if you look at an album the first thing you see these days is the features and so yeah. if you see that there's big names on there then automatically it legitimizes the album a bit mm. even if the album isn't good it looks as though it's going to be better mm. and if it's not possible for women to get male features without it being within this context of of like a love song or whatever then it's going to hold them back within the industry it's interesting as well, considering that I feel like we keep saying it's interesting. <laughs> Something to consider. <laughs> it is interesting, though. <laughs> I hope it's um, interesting for the audience. <laughs> uh, just because we were talking about Doja Cat before is um, when her and Rico Nasty made Tear to Mera. Yeah. The big, the a big part of the promo for that song, like in in all interviews that I saw um, them discussing that song, is they were saying so few women make songs together and mm. they want this to be the op- mm. like the changing where two women can just make a song together just to have a good time and not put themselves in competition. Kind of what we were discussing before with like Lil' Kim and Nicki Minaj. Mm. Yeah. I think that competition thing, I have a very clear point of view on this as well. Like, and this this isn't just from my own opinion or from my own, this is from things I've read and research I've done, just looking into it. I, I think it's just a total media load of crap. <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think it was created. I don't think it's it's real. But I think because it was created, it becomes hard to run away from that that point that women are trying to compete against each other. And and mm-hmm. I think, yeah, OK, you could look at Nikki and Kim and there was some foundation in that. But mm-hmm. a lot of it was because people are in their ears all the time saying, well, they said this about you and they said this about you. Mm-hmm. And I really think it's because other people around them wanted that beef to happen. And I think the thing that's great now is that Megan and Doja Cat and that it's like 
they're all able to now have this conversation where they're like, yeah, I really want to work with you. I really want to work with you. I, I really respect you. And they're all excited about each other's talent, um, mm -hmm. which I think would always have been the case. But other people kind of put this argument mm. on them and put this controversy mm. on um, artists like Nikki. So I think it's great to see that's happening. But it, in the, the narrative that women were always in competition or will always be in competition does irritate me because I don't think it's mm -hmm. I don't think it's fundamentally true you know it's very like yeah. orchestrated really orchestrated like, yeah that's the word and I think that's a big part of try of like a reaction against women entering the genre it's trying to keep what we were saying before like about how they want to have just have like one token this is the woman that's big at the moment and then if another one arises it's like okay well then they have to battle it out to see who is the best one you can't and you wouldn't get that with men like you do get some you do get rap beefs but you don't have like we need to have one man mm. that's the best one at the moment yeah yeah like if you get beef it's about that artist versus that artist it's not about the two men against each other mm -hmm. because they're men yeah you know lex do you have um any thoughts about the fact that just because we're talking about beef yeah. often when um there is a rap beef the way that men are attacked is by um kind of attacking them with feminizing them and kind of emasculating them by like calling them a pussy or like calling them whatever and attaching like female qualities and attaching that to be a negative trait yeah it's a really good point a lot of insults are quite dumb, aren't they? And they're simple and mm. they're just kind of like narrative things. It's like when people talk about the way Eminem uses faggot and now it just feels mm -hmm. really awkward and outdated. Mm. And I hope mm. increasingly we'll get to a place where calling someone a pussy will feel awkward and outdated. Because um, mm -hmm. it's just it's just a lazy it's just a lazy insult. It's interesting how often how little they're actually called dicks. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Considering it's something that I would say quite often, yeah. you, never really said. Would you listen to a rap beef if the guy said you are such a dick? <laughs> it would yeah. sound it would it would sound so much more petty. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually better to be honest. I think it's quite. It sounds like, more personal, doesn't yeah. it? Like a more yeah. personal. To be term. fair, your pussy sounds quite petty as well. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, intelligent, intelligent beef is quite hard to come by. It's good when it is. Mm. And I yeah. think that's why the like Drake Meek Mill battle was good. Yeah, I thought you were going to say the Drake Pusha T one as well, where he outed his son. Mm. Yeah, I thing is, though, for me, and I know that like people have different perspectives on rap beef. Like a lot of people think nothing is off the table. Um mm -hmm. Personally, I think something should always be off the table. And when I listen yeah. to some, like even with the Stormzy Wiley stuff, I just get there's a point where I just get disappointed. Come back, come back, oh Lord. You got mumsy banged up abroad. You got mumsy ran off the ends, and it's foul because it ain't her fault. She was trying to relax, but her son got caught in a walk. One day there's dons at the door, then next day he fell terminal four. It's a shame all she needed was a strong man in the house. Fuck that, I'ma be the man in your house. Like we'll come home, there's a man in the house. Like your mum was the only real man in the house. Yeah. Shower on the rhythm and I'm showering on the mat you Thought it was love, you were sour on the slide Fuck boy, let me know how you wanna die 24 hours to reply And I felt like Stormzy with his last verse I was like, you've let yourself down now Because mm. 
because mm. you're being quite it, I think there's a point where it just becomes really nasty and like you're yeah. really mm. like digging into someone's like internal character and their own person like really personal issues and I prefer a beef that's witty and there's yeah. kind of still a yeah, surface sure. level to it um that pressure tea one I was like the first time I listened to it I was literally like jaw drops like mouth wide open I couldn't believe mm. that he managed that he'd actually said that one time in recent history where it's like definitely crossed the line and I think it crossed the line so much that just everybody kind of forgot that it happened and ignored it. Do people remember Drake dissing Kid Cudi in response to Kanye? No, He was like know. making fun of him for having mental health problems and for like, because Kid Cudi had to go to like rehab and like he was suicidal and stuff and drake was like going in on him for it when was this it was like really really uncomfortable years. yeah in the, in the past like five years i, I can't remember I when it was exactly. heard about it because people don't want to talk about that because <laughs> yeah because that is that's just a horrible thing to do um and it's very not drake as well but it's interesting that jake was so like uh pressure to you like cross the line blah blah, blah if he's done that in the well past. it might have been it might have been around that same time yeah. But I thought Drake was like famously oh, wow. silent in response to that because he didn't want to cross the line. Oh, really? Interesting. It's like, have you guys yeah. heard um, Remy Ma's when Remy Ma and Lil Kim are battling? Sheetha? Yeah. For me, yeah. that's, and like people hold that up as like a, a great piece of rap beef. And I love Remy, but I that for me was like oh god like there's so many like really deep like family stuff that she's bringing up but but it's when you when you see like really brilliant battle rappers that are really funny and they do it quite Mm. a lot Mm. i love that like if it's funny i'm all for it when it gets really personal and like nasty i don't really i don't think it makes anyone look good no it just every you either come off as like just bitter yeah you've done a weird amount of research and like there's no positive way to look at it yeah ultimately yeah. you spent a lot of time finding out about that person so who's the loser like, yeah I <laughs> yeah i heard that um with the drake and pressure to you on the drake uh offered like a one hundred thousand dollar almost like bounty on information about pressure T. And any like if you can bring him like any credible source of information that he could use against Push T, he'd give you a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> For Drake, he's like, eh, I'll just stay in one night. <laughs> it was Kanye, wasn't it? Kanye was the leaker. Like yeah. Drake had apparently well, opened up to Kanye about all these things. Kanye claims that uh Forty, who's Drake's producer was with a girl and like kind of told the girl and then the girl, girl told Kanye but yeah. I don't know but I don't know what's her connection that. to Kanye but that's another thing where across, I know we've got wild, like way distracted <laughs> yeah. but another thing we got across the line <laughs> is when Pusha T was like your friend is going to die because he's ill yeah that was like, outrageous with, that was actually outrageous yeah. One question I wanted to ask you, Lex, was you said that uh, kind of hip-hop goes in ringlets and, like, it goes forward a bit and then it goes back a bit and then it goes forward. Where would you say that we're at now? Were we going forward or were we going backwards? We're going forward and it feels really nice. I think we're in such a nice place. Um, Like, there is so much 
female talent who are rapping um mm -hmm. and there's a lot of variety and okay but thing is even if okay there's there's still the ones at the top are still like quite highly sexualized and that is still the thing but to have that many women at the top who are rapping and respected for it and who are dominating Mm -hmm. I've never seen that in my lifetime. I don't think that's really ever been the case for to have, well, as you said, like that billboard record. Um, so I think we're in a really good place. And I think that, I think Megan is incredibly powerful because she's very smart and she's very well researched and considered in what she's doing. And mm. I think she will drive things forward in whatever she's doing eat me and record it put your edge up all i'm showing i keep my niggas private so it's ap all i'm showing beefing with you bitches really getting kind of boring if it ain't about the money then you know i'm gonna ignore it i'm the shit Ooh. i need a mop to clean the floors too much drip too much drip. i keep a knot i keep a watch i keep a whip let's play a game simon says i'm still that bitch hey i'm still that bitch yeah i'm a savage so it wouldn't surprise me if in two years time she was rapping, you know, she's rapping less about sex and rapping more about other different experiences as she kind of she yeah. goes through her life. Um, mm -hmm. So I think she'll be really powerful and helpful in, in bringing that narrative. And also because she's very good about um, reaching out to different women who have got potential and bringing them on the journey with her. There's no, mm -hmm. like, no one's got beef with Megan. If you've got issues with Megan, that's like your problem. <laughs> you know, she's she just comes across <laughs> very well. Um, Other than Tory Lanez. Yeah, yeah well, Tory yeah. Tory Lanez wants to shoot her in the foot. <laughs> Tory Lanez is crazy, let's be honest. Like, he's a little bit of a loose cannon. Um, mm. Yeah. But yeah, so I feel really, really positive about the space we're in. And I know that mm -hmm. um, we're still in this place where there's still a very particular characteristic of women and there's still quite a few race issues in hip-hop as well um mm -hmm. and you know there's a, about having okay there's black women at the top but they tend to be lighter skinned and there's there's still mm -hmm. quite a few issues and the world still needs to move forward in that way but i feel like yeah. we are definitely on a forward trajectory and maybe I'll be proved wrong and we won't go backwards anymore. We'll just <laughs> keep we'll moving forward. Cycle. Yeah, we'll have a 50-50 rap yeah. chart um, in yeah. a few years to come. Just don't want in like five, ten years time to be looking at like best rapper lists and still only seeing like two women on there. I think yeah. that would be a massive mm. shame. The changing landscape is personified by um, Tierra Wack. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it's possible for Tierra Wack to have existed not now. Like if she if she had come any earlier than this, she wouldn't have got any radio play, she wouldn't have got any recognition. But now the space is beginning to widen and you can have someone who's just weird and they're not rapping about anything sexual and they're also not rapping about anything political. She's just kind mm. of being herself, being weird, doing all these characters, like doing kind of whatever she wants and it's something that I hadn't seen in a female rapper before this, I think. She is just yeah. a very experimental artist mm. and I think it's amazing. Yeah, she's 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 definitely started to get a fair bit of recognition, but I think mm -hmm. you're 100% right. She could be one of those artists who in a couple of years has that album that just mm -hmm. kind of makes a real impact, like a serious impact.
we were talking before about the um, Bechdel test, and it's interesting to consider how film theory relates to rap and music. So one of the things that I wrote about in my um, dissertation was a kind of reworking of male gaze theory to apply to music. So it works quite well with the example that Jules gave about how um, WAP is important because it's showing how women have their own perspectives on sex and sexuality. And it's taking what is a very male-dominated sphere and everything is always presented from the male perspective. Beat it up, nigga, catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this pussy right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top, I wanna ride. I do a kegel, run inside. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This pussy is wet, come take a dive. Tie me up like I'm surprised. That's role play, I wear disguise. I want you to park that big Mack truck right in this little garage. Make it cream. Sorry, I didn't explain what male gaze theory is, but it's basically a film theory about how like all films are shot from a male perspective this is a very reductive way of explaining it and there's a lot more to get into um <laughs> film theory all films are shot from a male perspective and women have to be like broken down in order to be consumable by the audience and for them to do that they're broken down into like key sexual body parts for them to be less threatening to men so it's like a <laughs> ah, it's like a scary analytical <laughs> thing because women are seen women are seen as threatening to men because of um what's it called castration fear that's it <laughs> that's part that's the psychoanalytical <laughs> side and so that's like some real Freud like, oh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and so they're broken down into a way where they can be consumable and where they can seem like they can be controlled. Mm-hmm. And that is reciprocated within rap music. So women are expendable in rap, women are interchangeable in rap, and they're all obedient to the hyper masculine figure that is like in charge with WAP and music uh, recently, Doja Cat as well as an example of this, we're getting a reaction against that, which I think is quite important um, mm. and interesting to consider. It's funny you saying that because I think one of the things that I don't want to feel but I can't help but feeling when I watch mm-hmm. male videos that are deeply misogynistic and mm-hmm. quite backwards, and I think it's particularly bad with like UK drill and UK artists, mm-hmm. I can't help but feel a bit disappointed at the women in those videos because I feel Mm -hmm. like they're allowing themselves to be a part of something that is generally not helpful and not good Mm -hmm. to women. And that is such a not positive, that's not such an unhelpful feeling because of course it Mm -hmm. goes so much deeper than that and I get annoyed at myself in a certain way for feeling that. So it's interesting that you consider it that way for those videos and obviously it is different with WAP where they're embracing it because they're at the centre of it but is there comparisons to be made between the women being sexualised in those videos and Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion capitalising on their sexuality and using that as their marketing tool if that makes sense yeah because I think to me um, what Cardi and Meg are doing or when they're at the centre point it's about their sexuality and when it's the other Mm -hmm. way it's about the male sexuality Mm. and Mm -hmm. a woman's role as a prop or as a kind of tool for that 
they're kind you kind of don't even yeah you kind of don't even notice them because they're just so everywhere they're, you know I mean? they're faceless yeah i know that um bbc3 did a documentary a long time ago called hip-hop honeys i think it was called hip-hop honeys and mm-hmm. it was i it must have been like 10 years ago so i don't entirely remember what was in it but i think it was kind of talking about like what he's following the like girls who be in these kind of music videos who are just like the dancers on the side and like why they got into it and how they got into it and things like that and i mean it's kind of pointless because i don't actually remember what they said because it was so long ago that i watched <laughs> it but i feel like that'd mm. be a good thing to try and find out about because it kind yeah. of ties into this mm-hmm. i think i remember i think i've watched that as well for like way back when and it, i suppose it's yeah. a bit like um like you know amber rose did a lot of anti-slut shaming work mm-hmm. and i am i'm really pro that i think it's really important which is why i'm kind of questioning myself and i guess criticizing myself for having those feelings in the first place mm-hmm. um mm. because of course it's like down to the individual but um and you know it's probably male directors and etc mm-hmm. etc um but yeah there is that there is that difference i think with ownership or, or a sort of felt difference in ownership um, and you can kind of tell when something's from, I guess it's quite a different, like, as you said, male gaze. But when I'm watching a video and I can tell that it's from male gaze and not to link it mm-hmm. to porn, but it's a bit like watching porn mm-hmm. that's made for men versus porn that's made for women. When you're like, mm-hmm. no, that's so unpleasurable for any woman. It's just that it's like a kind of not dissimilar thing when you're watching those videos, when you feel mm-hmm. excited as a woman by seeing a woman take control of her sexuality versus mm-hmm. when you feel a little bit disturbed by seeing mm-hmm. it kind of from that other gaze. Yeah. One thing um, that I wanted to ask you, not really related to this, um, you mentioned how you uh, were aware that you weren't playing much female hip-hop and you could do a whole set and maybe play two songs by women. Since having that realisation, have you seen it? Um, any like responsibility to put more women's music within your sets? Yeah, and actually, do you guys do you guys do you DJ? Don't you, Jules? Do you as well? Jules does. No, I don't. I 100 percent feel more responsibility. And if mm-hmm. I hadn't noticed it, I don't think I would have discovered half the artists that I now have. I have to constantly mm-hmm. check myself and be like, "Have you actually looked out for women?" And it was funny when mm-hmm. I first started the podcast. Um, I wanted to get. Uh, I mean it's difficult like female rappers but I wanted to get women who Mm -hmm. were rapping um, start to kind of just find some new talent and bring some new talent on the show and so I would go on like GRM Daily and Link Up TV be like okay what what women have we got that are coming out that might be Mm -hmm. interesting and I I would scroll and scroll and scroll (laughs) through those pages Lady Leisha after Lady Leisha after Lady Leisha (laughs) basically there were none I mean there were literally like Mm -hmm one every 50 videos might have been mm-hmm. female i was like this is mad like absolutely yeah. mad um and culturally that is so unhealthy like if you think yeah. about how many kids like all their music is just coming from those channels and there's no women with yeah. a boy so it's just so unhealthy mm-hmm. and also you just think about the split in population it's impossible that that's just because there aren't women rapping yeah that's no the... coincidence <laughs> like i mean that's sorry yeah. it's no accident or just like mm. just the way it is like there's a there's a lot of mechanics that go into that but um mm-hmm. but yeah as a dj i think as any i mean every single person and every single music listener 
is having an influence on a Spotify algorithm. So mm-hmm. I don't think I necessarily have any more responsibility as someone who's playing music out to people than any individual mm-hmm. person does to actively question like what you're listening to and where you're getting it from yeah. and just try and be a bit mm-hmm. more proactive. But yeah, if I can if I can do a little bit just in terms of when I'm out, who am I playing that someone might Shazam or whatever, mm-hmm. um, then I think that's important. It's also just fun, I think, to push yourself to look into more because then you discover more music but um Mm -hmm. i don't know what you find jules and like where you get your music to play and that kind of thing yeah i mean i used to i don't know as much anymore but i used to use discover weekly a lot and uh kind of curate from there but i think when i used to do a radio show then what i would do is like try and think of a new theme each week and that's kind of how we got the all women uh mix that we did that got us in touch but that was like one theme that we did for our playlist which i did on the radio show and when you do something like that then you do think like all right i'm going to research kind of my itunes library or my spotify library or whatever and try and curate something that all kind of flows and you do then find yourself kind of going out your way and like listening to like related artists and people like that so i think that is a good tool to discover new artists and if you start by saying like I'll make an all-female playlist. Then you'll find artists that are related to the other artists and you kind of build up more of a library of people that you wouldn't have necessarily listened to before. So I think, yeah, trying to like challenge yourself, as you were saying before, to try and come up with these new things is a good way to start. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I think, I don't know, before before I really like proactively looked into it, I didn't realize how much of a narrow funnel the um, marketing and label funnel could be and how Mm -hmm. actually manipulated it sometimes is in terms of what gets listened to. And I think it's Spotify is amazing for discovering new artists and and, Mm -hmm. not biased Apple music, (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) but having those places like you have so much, there is so much opportunity to find artists, but don't think that you're, it's going to happen just by accident or just by stumbling yeah. upon mm-hmm. them. You still actually have to proactively look because the algorithms are still largely dominated. It's best mm-hmm. based on your listening history. So um, mm-hmm. if you're not listening to that kind of thing already, it's not going to give you that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like I saw a stat the other day. It was like Dua Lipa is the first female. I think, I think, I don't know if it's female artists or artists will stop to get like a billion streams per, like her number of streams is crazy and that's awesome that's really brilliant to have an artist that's getting that number of streams but it's just like her the marketing spend behind her um Mm. is absolutely huge it's not split amongst lots of different artists um so Mm -hmm. while that's fantastic it's like that's still very much a kind of created thing from big labels with money um and so, yeah, I think we just like as individuals need to make sure that we're being proactive and and actually just looking out for new artists just from different backgrounds, independents, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> women who are rapping just to just like yeah. keep that going. While we're on this, it seems like a good time to talk about our recommendations, but not just... Um, like to finish the show but like because it's an interesting time to talk about them yeah <laughs> um 
So one that actually just came into mind because I was going to talk about um, Whack World by Tierra Whack just because I think mm. that's a really, really interesting album. I'll give a brief description of it and then I'll say what the other person was. Um, it's a 15-song album and each song is one minute long. Um, mm. So it's only 15 minutes. So it's very easy to get through. Is that and the one as well where she like put a video on YouTube? Yeah, so there, it's a visual album as well. So there's like yeah. a music video that accompanies it. And it is a crazy journey and it's lots of fun. It's really yeah. good. And we've spoken really good, quite yeah. a bit about um, Tiara Wack today. So I thought someone that just came into mind when we were talking about marketing um, is Lekele47. Grew up in the house full of women. They ain't need no nigga. Never seen them ball shit. They had their own figures. OG said they give you money for they give you game. But when they come around here, I treat them niggas all the same. I say no. I say no. No reload. If you want another feature for the road. No reload. If you're trying to get a meeting, that's a no. No reload. If I switch that number up and you ain't no. No reload. I say no, my nigga. I say no. Is someone really interesting to consider as a, I mean, we keep saying women rapper. I was about to even ask about what you think about the phrase women rapper or female rapper as a, like, categorizer and um but the reason why i think she's really interesting to talk about is because not only is she like anti-sexualizing herself she doesn't she like wears a mask and like doesn't even show her face so it's impossible for you to even build up this image oh really yeah have you not she's got like a bandana mask it looks actually really cool really she's one of those artists where like i only know her from coming up on spotify Mm-hmm. So like I know a few of her songs, but I don't actually know anything about her. Yeah. I'm exactly I the think same. The album is called Acrylic. Yeah, Acrylic is a really good album by her um, yeah. that I would recommend. And yeah, she's really cool. Her sound is very distinctive. I think mm. it's yeah. kind of playful yeah. as well. It sounds quite like soundtracky and yeah. Mm. Same with um, Tierra Whack, very playful as well. Mm. Tierra Whack, very playful. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but as like an intro to Lekele 47 as well, I would say her Tiny Desk concert is really, really good. It's like mm-hmm. one of the best ones that I've seen. Oh, so, I will watch that. I will take that recommendation. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Lex, recommendations? Recommendations. Um, I'll tell you who is possibly my favourite artist. Probably my two favourite artists of today. And they're not necessarily rappers. They're kind of singers. Mm-hmm. One's a singer-rapper. Um, mm-hmm. I love Tiana Taylor. And I know she's mm-hmm. well-known, but I don't think she's mm-hmm. put in the place that I think she deserves to be. She's not appreciated. Mm. She's not really appreciated. I thought this new album would be like the boost into getting her into like the mainstream, but then it really wasn't. Because the features on there, I know we're talking about features, but like... Badu's on there, like, is Lauren Hill on there as well? She's got like a little clip of, it's, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spoken feature, but yeah. Yeah, but like the list of people on there, I thought that would be the one to finally like push her into the mainstream mm. because her tape before that was really good as well. Yeah, like I listened to her, I, you know, just some artists just as special, like their sound is something distinctive. Mm. Um, but also just really quality for me. That that that's Tiana Taylor, and she actually reminds me of a bit of Lauren Hill. Like she maybe can't rap quite as well as Lauren, but she can rap, and she's got a very powerful mm. voice, and she's a good songwriter. 
and she's also an incredible dancer an incredible performer mm-hmm. sorry she also ticks those boxes but yet she still seems to be in this place of like just like fighting to get to mm-hmm. that ne- next ever I don't I honestly do not know why that is I know she had some controversy with Kanye <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. Kanye is like behind yeah. the scenes <laughs> yeah. but at like the same time who, hasn't, who yeah. hasn't had controversy with Kanye yeah but like at the same time she was also part of the her, the album before this was part of those Good Summer releases oh, yeah. and you think yes. that would be some, but she was like oh no he said he was going to put it out then but he didn't I think that was part of the controversy but I think the controversy was like she was like the joke was that he, she was like not joke but the story was that she was like his protege I think he kind of kept mm-hmm. her like under his mm. wing mm-hmm. but kind of like slightly uh what's a controlling wing <laughs> um, and I think <laughs> she got a little bit pissed off and I think that's where the controversy yeah. came from so yeah maybe mm-hmm. he's like twiddling things behind the scenes but yeah I, I just want to say like if people don't know Tiana Taylor because I think still probably most people don't um mm-hmm. I think she's amazing um so definitely want to give her a shout out um I really love her and again she's much mm-hmm. more R&B but again I think she's very special um, mm-hmm. And then in terms of UK artists, I I think Shabo could do a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, but she's a she's an, a rapper MC. Um, she's actually been rapping for like since she was. I think she released her first kind of video when she was about thirteen. Oh, really? And mm. yeah, and she's good. But but then when you see her now, when she's done her I think she did a live not fire in the booth but like a version of that um mm-hmm. on uh link up link like a freestyle and it's just it's very good like it's solid but mm-hmm. the flow and everything is brilliant so i think i think she could be a bit like a steph london to be honest I, but she's she's rawer she's a bit like when steph london released her mixtape to me um, mm-hmm. What was the, what was it called? That her original mix, Real Ting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her first mixtape was called Real Ting, and that's what Shabo. Yeah. Like her sound is kind of like that. So check out her. Brianna, I think, is interesting. Brianna with the three talented Miss La Familia. Um, there's just definitely some some talented um, females coming out in the UK, and also actually Nadia Rose has just released a new. Mm-hmm. Um, album after a break and she's also super talented and probably someone who doesn't play the radio game particularly well I think she's a mm. bit of a loose cannon but she's very talented yeah. musically so I would mm. I would encourage people to, to to listen to her as well just before you get onto yours Jules yeah um, when you were talking about Tiana Taylor and her being like Kanye's protege it reminded me of um, this interview I'm not sure if I've spoken about this before this interview where Kanye was talking about Nicki Minaj's verse on Monster. And he was like, when I first heard it, I didn't want to put it out because she would have the best verse on the best rap album of all time. And, <laughs> and, it's, and it was like him having a fight with himself. So if he was unsure about whether even to put out Nicki Minaj's Monster verse, which fair play is like, the, it's the best verse, probably on the album, definitely on the song. Yeah. Then if he's got someone that he's... Sees as like protege, he's definitely gonna do something negative. To yeah, him. yeah. I know that designer uh, had a lot of beef with Kanye designer. and left 
and left <laughs> good music because Kanye like he kept on trying to release music and Kanye wouldn't let him release it. And whether you like designers' music or not, like I think that was a big thing. And like he basically would just start slating Kanye in all his interviews and fuck good music even though he's on on their label. Poor designer <laughs> I've though. Not heard designer. Yeah, where is yeah. he now? For a while. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, I think he says that because Kanye of Kanye. Because of Kanye not releasing his music, then now he's kind of like fallen out of the limelight and now he's not getting the same kind of gigs that he was getting before. Mm. Um, so that's interesting. Similarly, uh, one person kind of like that is Scissor, who mm-hmm. released oh. a new single today. Yeah, and leaked hey. another one. Oh yeah, I saw she leaked another one. But apparently, so the guy that runs TD, this guy called Punch, apparently he's also kind of like similar in that he will just not release music when the artists want to probably why mm. there hasn't been a, a Zyra Rashad album in four years for years <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen the video for this new Scissor song yeah it's pretty cool it's amazing it's so it. good I'm going to take that as mine it's so pretty cool. cool and she um, I think she directed it oh really well. yeah um, it's really cool and the other recommendation was Van Jess also released the single today called come mm-hmm. over which is like kind of funky kind of r&b and it's got them dressed in like 60s outfits with like perms and afros and stuff like that um mm. and that was a really good song as well and i enjoyed both of them and hopefully they've both got new albums coming out so yes. that's exciting to look forward to i really love when people get really creative with their videos like yeah. they get really into it. it's like a full concept it's a full world I hate it when it's just them singing or rapping yeah. or like those drill videos where it's just in front of a of... rental car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, like what are those videos? I think I tweeted someone once and I never tweet being like, mm. good song, saying about your video. And he was saying about your video <laughs> and he replied like, lol, 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 um, you're, you cracked me up. And I was like, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> definitely serious <laughs> the video is crap <laughs> people just do video as part of the promotion when actually yeah. with all of those artists there's um, really good video accompaniment iconic so, artists make iconic videos and they don't mm. have to cost a lot of money like no yeah. what's that um, Tiana Taylor video for, uh, with like ASAP Rocky and Tyler the Creator yeah, I think it's got them both in it and it's like 60s, like, big party. I can't remember mm. what it is, but it's a cool video. That sounds very cool. I um, <laughs> I was trying to find... The other day I was getting really bugged out because I couldn't find a video for Rose in Harlem and I was like, how can this song not have a video? And all there is mm. is a concert video. Really? Yeah, and I was like, well, With- there must be a video. Where is the video? <laughs> <laughs> I bet Kanye's got it in his, like, safe. <laughs> this big vault of unreleased shit. Just, yeah. just, like, looking at the USB, just laughing. Literally. <laughs> 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 uh, I feel like uh, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Lex. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you've been a terrific guest. Mm-hmm. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a really good episode. It's definitely like something that we've never really done before, and I feel like I learned a lot on it. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we did it. Good. Thank yeah. you. Well, um, thank you for being active men and talking about <laughs> these kind of things. <laughs> it's good. It's important. Good. Sorry if I spoke too much, guys. 
but <laughs> no, Erin. I like the fact you found everything interesting. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> right. Bye. Peace out. <laughs> Bye. No real. No real.